0: guys, Nick Burnett here. Just wanted to kind of give some information on why I joined the Patreon, why I'm part of the Dynasty Warzone uh, team. Downloaded the Dynasty Warzone podcast. It took one day to Joined the Patreon. Reached out to Memphis about a uh, situation with one of my rosters, and the kind of feedback I got was, hey Nick, why don't you give me a call? Uh, we went down my roster, and he helped me pull off a couple moves that put me ahead when I thought I was Going to be in rebuild mode this year. And that's just part of what comes with the Patreon. Uh, Just uh, trade talks, just good interaction with guys that love fantasy football. Uh, whether it's 10 o'clock at night or 3 o'clock in the morning, there's always going to be fantasy football talk, whether it's redraft, whether it's dynasty. I joined a couple leagues with the Patreon members and it's the same thing. Even in, even while we're drafting, we're still shooting ideas at each other. And if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of, Pause the podcast now, join the Patreon, and join a a great fantasy football group, but more like a fantasy football family.
1: What's happening, everybody? Happy Monday, and welcome to the Rookie Rundown, a division of the DWZ Fantasy Football Network. And on tonight's show, we're going to do a little Exos Exposed. That's right, the Combine facility down in Texas, where all these guys are doing all these amazing workouts. We're going to take a look at some of those numbers, as well as we're going to talk about our own guys. But speaking of our guys, this is our newest member of the DWZ family. Uh, he's been hanging out with me for a couple of months, excited to have him as my co-host here on the Rookie Rundown. His name is Dallas Hyder but you can follow him on Twitter at Salad, that's Dallas backwards, Salad Galore. Dallas, man, what's going on? Hey, Memphis. Wonderful Sunday night here.
2: We have. Uh, I'm ready to talk some wild numbers we've been getting out of the Exos Combine and some
1: rookies. So yeah, we'll, we'll break some of that down. This 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 Exos horse hockey. We'll break that down here in just a second. So we had a guest. We had a great guest for you. This is why I typically do not name the the upcoming week's guest because uh, shit happens. Life happens. Things happen and sometimes people have to not uh, be able to show up for podcasts so no harm no foul Uh, we have a guest scheduled for the next three weeks looking forward to having that and if you're not watching this on periscope it's okay because i am done streaming this thing to periscope if you're listening on podcast on monday morning thanks for tuning in with us we got some good content for you tonight and uh, before we get into that, I want to make sure to talk about five-star reviews. That's right, five-star reviews. That is how we grow the show. We can't do it without you. So if you're listening on a podcast, if you're watching live on YouTube, easiest thing to do, rate, review, subscribe, and share. Pick one of those things. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, or share the show, or preferably some combination of all four, so that we can grow the Dynasty Warzone and bring the goodness that we do here every single day. Make sure you tune back in tomorrow when our boys Jake and Kyle of the FF Smackdown hit you in the ear holes with some fantasy goodness as well. All right, check that out. That's the shortest intro maybe I've ever done in my entire life. But I really want to get into these rookies, man. So Dallas, you've been checking out this Exos thing. Uh, It's kind of set the the Twitter world on fire over the, I don't know, like Saturday afternoon-ish, the the note on Rashad Bateman leaked out. What were your initial thoughts when you first saw the uh, Rashad Bateman allegedly hand-timed at 437 in the 40 and laser-timed at 439?
2: Yeah, I immediately said there's no way in hell that's what actually happened. Uh, Rashad Bateman's my guy, and you're
1: a fan, and you're a fan. Yeah. Right? You're a Rashad Bateman fan, so you you want this to be true.
2: Yeah, that, that I I would love it if he actually runs that cool. That's not what I see on tape. Like that's the equivalent of me seeing Allen Robinson running the same thing. He doesn't do it. It's not in his repertoire. The 40 time is not something I'm even remotely looking into when I'm looking at these exos times. I'm focused on more of the physicality. I'm looking at the measurables. I'm looking at the how much weight can they push repeatedly with their chest. I want to see functional strength, stuff like that. I don't care about how fast you are. Um, It's not the same type of timing that we're used to with our normal combine. So getting stuff, although from an like athletic center, like Exos, who a lot of people train with, it's not the same thing. So taking the numbers as oranges to oranges doesn't make sense in this situation.
1: For for me, it just, you have to remember, these guys are paying to be here. They are paying to train at this facility. Does anyone, does Exos, the hosting site, do the players, does anyone have anything to gain by these numbers not being good? Does anyone have anything to gain by these numbers being accurate? They don't. They don't. If Exos buries a client, do you think the 2022 class is going to go train at Exos? Absolutely not. They're going to go train somewhere else. Uh, I live in Fishers, uh, Indiana, which is just north of Indianapolis. There's a place maybe 15 minutes from where I live that does combine training. Like Literally, from January through the combine, these Young pro athletes, they move to the Indianapolis area, they live in extended stays, and they train for the combine. That's not to say that these guys aren't super freaks athletically. Of course they are. But we just have to tr- – so I'm just going to call everybody a, a 4-4 because it came out on Sunday that Oklahoma State wide receiver, Tylan Wallace, he ran a four-three-nine, And then Virginia Tech defensive back Caleb Farley allegedly ran an unconfirmed 4 2 two. Okay. four two two. So I've yet to see a number that would make it like an eyebrow an eyebrow raised. Hey man, that's a red flag. The only one that I believe is true, like true true, is Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase allegedly bench pressed twenty three reps at two hundred and twenty five pounds. What's the point of him doing that? Jamar Chase's job is to be fast, not be strong. It's cool that he's strong. A bigger muscle can be a faster muscle, but I just take it with a with a grain of salt. And I've said this before that this year more than any other, we're gonna have to tr- trust the tape. We're gonna have to trust the film more than anything else. And it's gonna be plain speed. I was uh do you follow Daniel Jeremiah on Twitter, Dallas? Yeah,
2: I do. I feel like following some of the mainstay guys gives you an idea of where the actual NFL like personnel guys are actually looking at it from. So it's a different scope than most of what I'm like us on Twitter actually see.
1: Yeah, and I love Daniel Jeremiah. He does a great podcast with Bucky Brooks called Move the Sticks. He's an entertaining guy. But my point for bringing that up is he's pretty connected in the NFL, and he feels like in two to three years that the NFL will not even have these guys running the 40 anymore. That's what you do at Exos. The place in uh, Indianapolis, I believe, is called St. Vincent's Sports Medicine. And what do these guys do? They literally practice running – the 40-yard the dash the same way a sprinter or a track runner you know they're, they're practicing running in blocks I would much rather see these guys in a set of pads you know running routes and, and and hand timing them versus game speed I love that on next gen stats when they show you how fast a, a guy gets up to I believe it was Raheem mostert this past year who had the fastest clocked time per next gen stats but he's He's being chased by other players. He's in full uniform. And I think he hit like 23, like the mid-23 miles per hour. I think that would be much more useful if I was a scout. These guys are supposed to be fast. These guys are supposed to be athletic. And I know these numbers help. My goal here is not to poo-poo the numbers and what these guys are doing athletically. It's just to remind you the dynasty GM who's going to be putting these guys on the back end of your dynasty rosters to take it with a grain of salt for so many years, so many years, we've relied on websites and I'll just use one that I personally think is the best in the industry. And that's player profiler. You go on there, you look, at the, you, you, you look at the, the, the spark X score, you look at the speed score, you look at the burst score. in some cases, I love that the quarterback has like the, the throwing metric. If they threw, I love that. I love everything about that. But this year, maybe even into next year, you got to take that with a grain of salt because I don't feel like it's official. I've heard NFL people say it's not official. So uh, I, I was not super blown away by that. And, and this is a, 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 now Dallas, I'll ask you, are you familiar with the martial arts at all? Like the belt system?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've watched Cobra Kai.
1: Hey, there you go. You know, you you go from a white belt, you you move your way up, you move to a black belt and there's this thing. It's like the white belt mentality. And at some point I'm going to do a podcast for our Patreons over at patreon.com forward slash dynasty Warzone about the white belt mentality. As you learn more about something in the belt system, you're learning more about martial arts, but in dynasty, as you learn more, you're supposed to not go backwards because last I checked in the martial arts, they don't take your black belt away if you repeat a rookie mistake. And we do this every single year as dynasty GMs. We did it last year with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor was a state champion sprinter. He comes to Indianapolis because we actually had a combine last year. He runs fast and then we double count it. Oh, we got to move him to, to the top of the draft. He ran, he ran sub four, four. It's like, guys, we know these guys are amazing athletes, but that's part of that dynasty white belt mentality. You just can't help. Have you, does, does this make sense? Am I like rambling on? Is this the ramblings of a madman? No, not at all.
2: I completely understand what you're talking about is, Not just double counting, it's making the same mistakes year in and year out. And we'll get, I'm gonna tease it a little bit. When we talk about our rookies tonight, I'll go into a little bit about some of the issues I used to have as an early dynasty player and why I don't look at prospects the same way that I used to. It's adapting and changing every single year and learning from your mistakes and not making the same thing
1: year in, year out. Yeah, I would agree 100% with that. It's, it's Once you learn something, you sh- you should not repeat that error over and over. But, man, that's why we're here. We're going to talk about some of our favorite rookies. Again, we were supposed to have had a guest. We were going to grill them like a nice juicy steak, but, you know, life happens. So we're going to talk about our guys. So we're just going to go back and forth. Who's your guy so far? Who is the guy? We asked Alex Erickson of PFF. We asked him this last week. Who is your guy in rookie drafts that you personally are not going to live without? And and how far up are you willing to go up the draft board to get him?
2: Yeah, so people that have been listening, I know you're all expecting me to say Michael Carter here. I am actually not going to say Michael Carter. So I took this specific mindset of the guy that I'm not leaving most of my drafts with based off of where I'm drafting in most of my leagues. So not gloating, but typically my position is somewhere in between nine and 12. And so those are the players that I'm looking at. Uh, obviously I would love to leave with the Jamar chase. I would love to leave with the Najee Harris at the top of the board, or if it's in Superflex, one of the top three quarterbacks, but realistically I'm looking at who Am I refusing to leave the first round or the second round without? For me specifically, I'm looking at Rashad Bateman. So Rashad Bateman, we've talked about him a couple of times. He's my guy. He's incredibly smooth. He's probably the most complete wide receiver in this draft when you take away the actual athletic measurables that Jamar Chase has. So the comp, I brought it up last week. I'll continue to do it. He has a lot of shades of Allen Robinson to him game. There's nothing flashy, but he can be a true alpha if he's put into a system where he is the guy. He has amazing hands. His versatility is really what opens my eyes when I watch him. So they don't just use him as that slant guy like Michael Thomas. They don't use him only on the outside deep throws, go up and get it. They'll use him on bubble screens in Minnesota. They it, There's an argument that this year they misused him by using him so much in the short game. But I think it's actually nice that we all got to see that his short game is actually pretty effective. He can take those little three yard dig routes. He can take those little out routes to the sideline for the four yard gains. He can create separation that a lot of people didn't see in his game before this. So when you pair that with what we have with his size, his measurables, he's sitting right around six, two and change two Oh five. Honestly, that's ideal wide receiver size for me. So we are sitting it there. I think that a lot of people are going to be sleeping on him. A lot of people have him currently somewhere, I'd say probably wide receiver four to six in that range based off of people that have Rondell Moore high, uh, Jalen Waddle high, stuff like that. Me personally, he's my wide receiver too, immediately behind Jamar Chase in this draft. So in a one QB league, I'm looking somewhere in the range at the probably he's going to go somewhere around 106 to 108 just based off of where people are ranking him right now. And then in the super flex, he's probably going about 110 to 202 because when you get in that range in a super flex, it's really just kind of who you want after the quarterbacks. Me personally, if I'm in a one QB league and I'm sitting up higher, I'm willing to take him at the one Oh four. The only three players I would draft above him. I, I, I see your eyes. Trust me. Anyone who's watching the video just saw him at this go back. So if I'm in a one QB, the only players I have ranked above him right now, I'm going Najee. I'm going Javante. That's just based off of running back positional scarcity. And I'm going Jamar chase. After that, I'm going with my next wide receiver, which for my count is Rashad Bateman. So, I I don't like comps. I'm with everyone else. I think projecting everyone at their ceiling is kind of crazy, but it's what people like to do because a lot of casual players don't really know some of the younger guys or the guys from 10 years ago. But I see honestly Rashad Bateman's floor is the production of what we've seen from Corey Davis so far in his career. And I think his ceiling realistically could be what we've seen from Michael Thomas. So take that what you want based off of this kind of off year, the injury riddled year with Michael Thomas. But there's not a lot of variance. It's pretty consistent play. And if you draft him, there's not really a huge disappointment. I don't foresee a Nikhil Harry situation when it comes to Rashad Bateman, if that makes sense.
1: No, man, it it makes complete sense. And what what I get from him, not not like a playing style, but just like a draft vibe and everything. I'm getting a real T Higgins vibe. From twenty twenty, I, I feel like that's the range he's going to go in these dynasty drafts In superflex. I am going to talk about my guy that I am not leaving the draft with here in, in just a moment, but I am, you know, I am fine with that. You know, you, you got to get your guy if your process dictates that you need to take uh, a wide receiver and that's your guy. Just take him because more than likely you are not he's not coming back to you. He's going to go before you are back on the clock. And if you, if you think you can maybe get that wide receiver that you want two picks later, then trade back. Hey, you know what? If, if I'm Dallas and I am a huge Rashad Bateman fan in the draft that he just mocked in his head, if it goes Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javonta Williams, and Jamar Chase, and I'm at the, up at the 105, and I have a pretty good feeling of, of who that next GM wants or is going to take, I might be willing to go back to like 107 and maybe pick up a second along the way, knowing that I'm gambling, and might go back. You know, maybe that next GM is going to take a Kyle Pitts or a Devonta Smith or a Jalen Waddell. Why not go back two places and and get the guy that you wanted anyway, as well as a little draft capital? I'm going to hit you with my guy. All right, here we go. I, uh, I primarily, say for about two leagues, I primarily play super flex leagues. And the guy that I am going to go with, um, pretty much anywhere he goes, is going to be Mac Jones. And now I'm a realist. I've seen someone else in the dynasty and fantasy industry share this thought. But uh, rest assured, we were talking about it here about a week and a half ago. And that is at least one of these QBs is going to bust. It's It's just mathematically impossible for it not to. You can go back to 2015. Marcus Mariota has been a two-year, a two-year backup at this point. You have 2016. Both Jared Wentz and Jared. I made a one-person. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are both he on that side. QB. It, 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 it. I think it would be a good QB to be honest. You know, some of that recklessness of Carson Wentz and a little bit of that chicken shittedness of Jared Goff. Sometimes Carson just needs to take the easy throw, and sometimes Jared just needs to cut it loose. Uh, we might actually have our hands full if we, we combine them, but those guys are on their second team, and if they don't make it work this year, I don't know what we're going to do with them. we got Mitch Trubisky. You know, he might be looking for work. Uh, Josh Rosen is all but out of the league on the practice squad with the 49ers, and then you know we've, we've got a guy like Tua who's already on skates himself you know i'm not to say that 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 two is going to get cut or anything but my my point is is that the odds would dictate that one of these quarterbacks is going to be a bust he's just not going to be what we thought he is and uh, i believe mac jones will be i think we'll get mac jones cheap so in a super flex rookie draft because i project mac jones i've seen him mocked anywhere from the 49ers at pick 12 i've seen him to the new england patriots at pick 15 so uh, i've even seen him as late as 19 to the washington football team the later you go in the draft the more likely you are to go with a a much better ran franchise and you're not necessarily coming in to save the franchise you'll be the new face but if if mac jones winds up in washington a he's going to have terry mclaren they've got a little money to spend in free agency so maybe they pick up a wide receiver they had a, a top 10 offensive line per pro football focus. You got Antonio Gibson. They'll probably bring in a veteran. And they were a playoff team with a monster defense. What's not to like? I would much rather have that guy on my Superflex roster than, than maybe say, Zach Wilson, who is gonna go into New York and expect to save the world. It's It's a much different thing. You got a kid going from BYU, from Mormon country out there in Utah to the big apple bright lights and big city and oh not only that but you have to save you have to save the franchise you've got to be the face you've got to take us from what 2 and 14 and get us there whereas mac jones can be a complimentary piece and on top of so for me i'm going to get mac jones i'm actually in one league where i've got the 108 and the 109 and rest assured that mac jones if there is going to be on my team And if Mac Jones and, say, Trey Lance or one of the other quarterbacks are still there, they're both going to be on my team because there's never, ever, ever a cheaper opportunity to get quarterbacks than in your rookie draft. So what do you think of Mac Jones, man? Before you tell me who you're not taking, tell me uh, your thoughts on Mac Jones. Are you a believer? Are you not a believer? Uh, Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I completely agree with the Mac Jones take on that situation. I'm in the same boat as you. There's a lot of those teams that I have where I'm in the 108 to 112 range, like I was talking about. And if I'm in super flex, I'm pulling the trigger immediately. I made the mistake in the past, specifically last year. I think of one specific situation. It, it's not as terrible based off of the fact that it's a tight end premium, but I ended up trading the 110 when Justin Herbert was still on the board. For sam darnold tj hawkinson and uh it was a wide receiver that became irrelevant it didn't matter i ended up getting hawk with a pick which in titan premium wasn't terrible but i would have to trade multiple firsts at this point to get herbert in that same league and you couldn't be more correct you're never going to get a quarterback cheaper than that first round so when it comes to mac jones He's super consistent. He, we talked about this a little bit, but I see him a lot as like an Andy Dalton type arc, which like doesn't sound super crazy or super sexy, but Andy Dalton was very consistent for five years as a QB two, which in super flex, that's what I'm looking for. And as a chiefs and a bears fan for anyone who doesn't know for my NFC and AFC teams, I see Washington as like the perfect dichotomy to what the bears are actually going to do because i think washington is going to make the smart moves this year where realistically they could end up getting Allen robinson if we decide not to re-sign him to the contract he deserves and then they draft mac jones and they
1: have the team we should have (laughs) like that's that's honestly what i see happening well what I liked about him is is the story that came out of the the senior Bowl even though I don't think he played the game due to injury if I remember correctly is that he basically got the offense install and in less than 24 hours he was on the field installing that offense and yelling at guys and getting guys in the right spot at the right time and as a year one guy i I love I absolutely love the Scott Turner offense in Washington but I could say I could talk Mac Jones all night but we're not going to. Because I I like sometimes when you get a little negative. Because sometimes when when you get negative, the honesty comes out. And I want to know, who are you not drafting? Not that you don't like them. You just don't like them at their current ADP.
2: Oh, yeah. And trust me, I'm going to be very unpopular with my next statement here. So everyone buckle up. For me, the person I'm not taking based off of ADP, if I'm what some people would consider reaching for Rashad Bateman, I'm ignoring Jalen Waddell. I don't want Jalen Waddle in most of my leagues where he's going right now. He's going as the wide receiver two to three in the class. You're going to have to take him mid first round. I honestly don't see it. And I understand that there's a lot of, Oh, but he's so dynamic. These plays watch these plays, everything like that. He's never really broken out. He's the definition of a projection player. He He's never topped, like I think it was like 859 yards, I think is the number basically that he had. That was his freshman year. He's been in the 500s his last two years, and it's due to injury. It's due to situation. He basically just never broke out. He's had a couple of injury stints. He has no true breakout that those analytic guys like to talk about. No, don't get me wrong, he's hella athletic. I completely attest to that. You see him on some plays in game, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. How do you do that? He killed three angles with that run. We were saying the same thing about Henry Ruggs last year. I'm not saying they're the same play style. I'm just saying that projecting production at the wide receiver pr- like position specifically is a dangerous game. In the last five years or so, the only player that successful projection. Happened on would probably be DK Metcalf when it comes to transitioning into the NFL, and that was solely due to injury, that wasn't due to competition or anything like that. He just was missing the games when he was there with AJ Brown at Ole Miss. He was still putting up numbers, it's just his availability was in question. So we had to project, we basically had to do projections as to what his full season would be. But for me, He's going that wide receiver 2 3 range. I have him somewhere in between 6 and 7. And I, I don't feel good about it. So, like I said, based off of his ADP, I'm not going to be drafting where he's at. I think realistically, again, we'll go with that floor ceiling comp with all these players that we're talking about tonight. I see a floor of John Ross realistically. I, I, yeah, your eye should get big in that situation. A floor of John Ross if he's put in the wrong offense and he's not utilized correctly, or a ceiling of like peak Deshaun Jackson. And so he's good, he's great, but it's not a player I see lasting long-term regardless of the situation. That's my take on Jalen Waddle. so I'm not taking
1: it. Well, well, the first minute when, when you, yes, if you're not watching, if you're not subscribed, if you're listening to this on podcast, first of all, thank you for, for tuning in. But if you're not watching this live on YouTube, um you cannot see my facial expressions because when i heard that this was the first thing that come to my mind about Jalen waddle playing with my fucking name i'll drill y'all stop playing with my name stop playing with my name i ain't gonna say it no more put some respect on my name you understand me when y'all saying my name put some respect on it man that hurts i i am a uh, a Jalen waddle apologist i am a Jalen waddle fan um, uh, again, we don't go, we don't do our own comps. I just think it's, I could be doing more of you, the listener of service by reading more and, and uh, and, and trying to get a better understanding of the industry consensus than, than, than doing that. But I, I, I heard a comp between somewhere between TY Hilton and Tyreek Hill, and I was like... I, I, I know, I see your face. Again, you gotta be watching on YouTube. I, I, I see your face, but I, I like Jalen Waddle, but I totally respect that. You know, I'm uh, I, I believe that he's the goods, but you know what? This will be a new T shirt. So this is a little I'll go ahead and do my one commercial. This will be eventually be a new t shirt over at Viridian Global the official merchandise provider of the dynasty war zone. So my boy, Matty big chest at Matty big chest is working on a t-shirt that says on the back, we're all landing spot dependent. If he lands in a great offense with a great offensive coordinator, I'll be all over Jalen Waddle. If he lands in a craptastic offense, like a little bit more of like an antiquated offense. And I, I, I would get your point. Um, but we're all landing spot dependent as the t-shirt will read over at Viridian global. My guy, I will also get some heat for this because I know he went to a uh, an Ohio State, which is a big, popular national powerhouse. Um, but where he'll be going in dynasty drafts and superflex, I will not have any. And that's Justin Fields. I don't want to go as far as to call him the next in line in a in a see it throw it quarterback mold out of Ohio State. And but but for me, when I watch, and this is weird because the people who post the film on Twitter. Every time I watch, I'm like, his receivers run a wide ass open. I mean, the offensive line, no one, no one's breathing on him, and he just, and yes, he can make read projections. I know there was a big nasty argument about whether or not he could make read progressions. Well, sure, he can make read prog- progressions. He's standing there all day long. He he could make his three or four read progressions. He could eat a ham sandwich. He could make a, a collect call, and then he could throw the football because he's got all the time in the world. And then before he does cut the ball loose, at least to me, to my untrained tape watching eye, it looks like the wide receiver has to be wide ass open. Now, good friend of the show and football at the college level enthusiast Kane Facel at Devi underscore Kane. Now you know he says part of that is is that the wide receivers at Ohio State are so good they're always running wide ass open, and that's not really his fault. A fair counterpoint, but. I, I have not seen a long track record of success recently within the last five to six years of the big school guy. You, you do have the Deshaun Watson who went to Clemson. Uh, Baker is turning a bit of a corner in his pro career coming out of Oklahoma by way of Texas Tech. But a lot of these big name school guys just do not understand the adversity of the NFL. Again, they've had, I call them trust fund kids. They've had the best of everything. They've had the best offensive line. They've had the best skill possession guys. They've had the best coaching. They've had everything. And Justin Fields, more than likely, is going to wind up in a shitty NFL spot. He's going to wind up with an over his head. Imagine if this guy lands lands in Philadelphia. Yes, Jalen Hurts fans, it can happen. Imagine he winds up in Philadelphia with Nick Sirianni, who's only worked with like Philip Rivers and Andrew Luck and you know, a little Jacoby Brissett. Are you enthused? I'm not enthused. I, I see this going a lot I see this having the potential to go sideways in a lot of directions that I'm not willing to overpay. So if I'm at the clock if I'm on the clock at the 102 or the 104 or the 105 in a super flex, I'm gonna to look to trade back and get Mac Jones. I'm gonna to look to trade back and get Trey Lance and let the Ohio State Buckeye Faithful take their man's because can I see a world where Justin Fields comes into the NFL and becomes the next to Sean Watson? Absolutely I can. But I am putting what I've seen, what I've read, and what I think is the most probable to happen, and I'm going to be happy to be wrong. Again, this should be like, we, Dallas, we should have this as like a soundbite when we start the show. We are not rooting against anybody. I would rather be wrong in my take and, 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 and have – Justin Fields and and you know him having Jalen Waddle have all the success in the NFL in the world, that would be ideal because we want we don't want anyone to ever think we're rooting against anyone. That's bullshit. That's bush league and we don't do that here. But I'm just being honest. What I've seen, what I continue to see, makes me a little, not a lot, some trepidation and nervousness around Justin Fields. And then when you cross reference that with where he's going in superflex rookie drafts. Unfortunately, I'm not going to have it. I just can't pull the trigger at the 104-105. So what do you think about my field's take? And, uh, you know, maybe tell me who's who's your most overrated guy. How about that?
2: Yeah, uh, it's great that we're actually just going directly from one to the other because mine is also a QB. But I'll talk about your quarterback issue where you're not going to be taking fields. Um, I'm an Ohio State guy at heart, from Youngstown, Ohio, a little bit outside of Columbus. So uh, I watch all the Ohio State games. I understand the hesitancy that is associated with Justin Fields. It's come out a little bit. The most recent comp that people like to talk about is how he kind of reminds a lot of people of the same issues that Justin Herbert had for a lot of draft scouts last year. The inconsistency, you have to see it to throw it kind of guy. He has the in my opinion the strongest arm in this draft class like people like to give it to Zach Wilson and people like to say that the deep ball for Mac Jones which also is really underrated for people who say that Mac Jones can't throw deep and doesn't have a good arm he probably has the most accurate deep ball out of any quarterback but I'm not going to talk about that uh we'll just go into detail a little bit more about fields for me specifically I I don't think he has the ceiling of Deshaun Watson like you're talking about. I don't think that's realistic. So I understand the hesitancy, but in a super flex situation, if you're telling me that I have a guy that has these intangible tools that a lot of quarterbacks don't have, and he's proven it, people forget he only had three interceptions last year, not in 2020, but the year prior, he only had three interceptions with 40 passing touchdowns and I understand that Ryan day completely shifted the way that the Ohio state passing game works. But when you're putting up that kind of efficiency in any college system, you should be raising a lot of flags and a lot of eyes should be looking at you. And I see fields as a a legitimate game changer at the next level. I see him. I don't see him at the current level of what Dak Prescott is, because I think Dak Prescott is legitimately a top five quarterback based off of just, the way that he runs his offense. But regardless of landing destination, I think Justin Fields is kind of like a poor man's deck Prescott. So I, I like him, but I understand the hesitancy to take him with that top pick. If you're sitting at one Oh three, your top two quarterbacks are off the field. Take Najee Harris. That's my advice every time. But when I'm going into what my most overrated player is, it's another quarterback in this quarterback class. It's Zach Wilson. For me, another unpopular opinion, I'm not being hot takey guys. This is just my personal take on my rookies. Um, he is another epitome, just kind of like Jalen Waddle, where people are enamored with what the quarterback facilitators in the NFL have been able to do recently. The off script plays that guys like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes are able to make on a regular basis. So we are hyping up guys like Zach Wilson a lot based off of their ability to make those off-platform or unscripted throws. But I still have yet to see what someone like Matt Jones does incredibly well in throwing his wide receivers open, leading their wide receivers. Zach Wilson, a large majority of the big plays you see, he's throwing contested balls to his wide receivers down the field. They're big body wide receivers, the BBWRs. And he is throwing those 50-50 balls and they have some talent at BYU when it comes to big body guys at the 50-50 catch ratio. So that's kind of more of a hot commodity in the NFL. Separation is kind of king and being able to throw your wide receivers open in tight window throws like your issue with Justin Fields is something that I don't see a lot with Zach. So when I'm looking at him, I, again, floor to ceiling, I see him somewhere between Manziel as his floor. And I saw a perfect comp earlier last week, actually, about this. I think realistically, we're looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick when it comes to Zach Wilson. The gunslinger who's not allowed to, like, not afraid to throw it, he's going to sling it around. It's going to be great sometimes. He's going to give you those amazing games where you're like, this guy's amazing. But he's going to make a lot of boneheaded mistakes when it comes to interceptions and forcing the ball because he's got that mentality, that Menzel mentality that Fitzpatrick has.
1: Well, I, I, I like Zach Wilson, so we're going to just agree to disagree. I do, I do think the overrating part is is fair. I I do believe there becomes a a time when uh, the hype becomes too much. I I don't know. I, I I've I'm so torn. Uh, Zach Wilson is in my 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 torn group. In that I want to believe, man. A lot of the NFL guys. Uh, a guy that I'm a big fan of. I've mentioned his name on the Dynasty War Zone several times, and that's uh, John Middlecoff, former NFL scout. He was the one who really first brought the name Zach Wilson to my ear holes, and I, I was taking a look. And i got to say I'm impressed. I don't know. I, the, the reason why I would like him a little bit more, it, it's kind of odd to say this after all the stuff I said about Mount Jones, but I, I do like the fact that he played with a little bit lesser competition. It's the same reason I like Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones went to Duke. They hadn't had an NFL player in years when Daniel Jones was at Duke. And it's kind of the same way I feel about, you know, Zach Wilson. Not a lot of NFL talent around him. Uh, My biggest concern with Zach Wilson is, again, is he's got to go from the small country to the big city, and he's got to put an entire franchise on his back. I know the kids love him. I know the youngsters love him. He's got a headband, and he took two, not one, but two young ladies to the prom. So, he is the thing of both legend and lore. So we'll see what happens, man. Uh, we'll, we'll make some further determination. We might have to go back and forth or make some kind of a uh, show bet on, on him. The The most overrated guy for me so far has got to be Kadarius Tony. I, I, I don't look like, it's like he came out of nowhere. First of all, for me, from a dynasty standpoint, he's already 22, which is not a strike against him. I loved Cooper Cup, and I loved Terry McLaren coming out of college. They were both older than this, if I remember correctly. But it's like he had like a non-existent production profile until 2021. And then all of a sudden, oh, excuse me, I guess it's 2020 season, 2021 draft. And all of a sudden, it was just ba-boom. You know, he had three scrimmage touchdowns coming into his senior year and then all of a sudden he had 11 and just a, a lot of little red flags for me he's got a couple of off the field things one where he uh I allegedly I don't ever want to accuse but he allegedly pointed a, a, an airsoft rifle as if it were a real rifle uh, in, in an incident and then he had another incident where he actually had a real rifle now he wasn't charged. He lawfully owned that firearm and had no issues. And I have no issues with that. My concern is, is that, you know, I've always been told that money is like miracle grow for your faults. If you're a good person with, without money, you'll be a good person with money. If you're lazy without money, you're going to be lazier with money. It's miracle grow. It makes you more of who you are. So I, I'm just a little concerned about that. I just, more red flags than positive flags, and again, um, I'm not falling for the hype. He seems to have a very big hype train building since the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think I'm going to let and I, I saw your Bears draft him uh, in a mock draft I read earlier today. So it's not just Dynasty and Fantasy Twitter; it's uh, it's it's the NFL Twitter. It's the you know the NFL scouts. So um, he'll he he could end up being this year's Henry Ruggs. A guy who goes in the first round that, that maybe shouldn't. And because of that reason, he will get overdrafted in rookie drafts. And I really don't want any part of him now. Uh, I've seen him go as late as the third round. In the late second, early third, I'm, I'm interested. I, I'm totally interested, especially depending upon where he goes. But, uh, man, i I, I got to say he's overrated. Who's underrated? We, we, we've given you a couple of overrated guys. We've given you Zach Wilson. We've given you Kadarius Toney. Who's underrated?
2: Yeah, for me, my underrated guy that I'm falling in love with in this draft cycle is Tamori and Terry out of Florida State University. He is a freak athletically. He, he has the production. He has the size. He's 6'4", 210 is what he weighed in at the beginning of the season. There's some talk in the draft ether right now that he's going to weigh in somewhere around or let me rephrase that. He was playing at and should weigh in closer to 220 than 210. So for me, okay, yeah, you're thinking big body wide receiver, right? The guy is, I'm telling you right now, if he was clocked in Indianapolis, if the actual combine had happened this last week, he would have run in the four threes. He was clocked in at 23.4 miles per hour against ASU last year. That, just for reference, for people who don't understand exactly what that means, that would have been the fastest time clocked in the NFL, faster than your Tyreek Hills, your Meekle Hardmans, just two Chiefs guys that everyone considers super fast. In the last five years, five years, he would have been the fastest on-field player in the NFL with the play that he had against ASU. He is incredible. When his uh, like his seam reminds me of peak Vernon Davis. And I know he's not a tight end, but him running a seam route up the center is unblockable. There, like you're you you're, you're going to trust a 5'9 nickel corner to cover the 6'4", 220 guy running a 4'3", up the seam. You're not. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And if you get him into single coverage, he's going to burn you every time. And so if you actually – if you look at his arbitrary highlight reel, you just see him burning guys on the inside and on the outside, both your nickels, your outside guys, your safeties. If you put one-on-one against this guy, he's going to destroy you. The only issue that people have with him are his drops, and that's something I can live with, honestly, is drops because I think that's the most overheight aspect that people look into when it comes to players. It's the most wishy-washy of all statistics when you look from year to year. Um, You'll have people like – people don't talk about the fact that CeeDee Lamb had nine drops this year. Everyone still loves him. He was second in the NFL in drops. Like, (laughs) it's something that every year in and year out, it moves. It's just dependent on the year. So if you tell me that the only issue that a guy has is drops, that's what we had as an issue with Will Fuller. Health wasn't an issue with Will Fuller coming out. It was his drops. That's the only reason people were concerned about him going in the first or early second in the actual NFL draft. So Tyler O, our boy Tyler O, gave me the comp that I think is – a perfect situation. So back in the day, coming out of college, Martavius Bryant. I see Tamori and Terry as Martavius Bryant coming out of college. So much freaking upside. It's ridiculous.
1: Now, he he's, just a bigger, he, he's an older guy, right? He's like 22, 23 in his own right.
2: Yeah, he just turned 23.
1: Okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I was curious. I know that for a lot of people, that's a red flag. And I agree to a point. But it was uh, – I want to say it was my buddy Nick Whalen. I'm, I'm not sure. But they were talking about, you know, Cam Akers. Last, last year there was a little concern about Cam Akers coming out. Dude, Cam Akers can tell you from personal experience. There was no, there was no help on that offense in, in Florida State, down there in Tallahassee. So maybe he gets it, – it's kind of that reverse for a wide receiver. You know, that wide receiver, you know, has not had great quarterback, competent quarterback play. All of a sudden goes to the NFL and it's just it's just next level. Uh I I think I think this kid's got a real shot. Um uh, it's gonna come for him with, with Terry, it's gonna come down to draft capital to me. I was looking at the mock draft that I've got saved on my computer. It's uh Tankathon, which pulls directly from Walter football. They don't have him as a day two receiver. So if he's not a day two guy, he becomes a Hakeem, you know, butler type guy. That would be my concern but I agree with you that he is underrated, especially athletically. And because we're not going to get true athletic measurables and, and, and comps and numbers that we can buy, we're just going to have to trust our eyes and the draft capital this year. All right. Sorry. No, you're just, good. No. Last, yeah, you brought up the cam acres aspect from last
2: year, how he didn't have a lot of help. Last year was tomorrow and Terry's best year. He went for 60 receptions, a little under 1200 yards and five total touchdowns. So, He was producing with garbage at the quarterback position last year, and then he played three games this year and then decided this isn't worth it. I'm opting out. So there's also some character concerns some people have, but I completely agree draft capital, which this is why I don't draft any of my dynasty leagues before the actual NFL draft. If he goes on day two, which I expect him to, fire away legitimately at the end of the second round for me. That's where I want him.
1: Hey man, that is uh, completely, completely respectable. I've got another guy that I really like, and I, I depends on where on where you get your info. Some people love him, some people don't have him as high. For me, it's Terrace Marshall Jr. out of uh, Louisiana. You know, you you just look at that that wide receiver room that he had to navigate. You know, DK Met, I'm excuse me, wrong wide receiver room. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, just a couple of absolute studs. Justin Jefferson. Just set the all-time record for rookie receiving yards. Jamar Chase. I have been called uh, in some circles. I've heard him be called the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson. And, and now we're going to talk about one of his teammates, who's six foot four, two hundred pounds, early declare, coming out as a junior. And here's a guy who has played twenty-eight college games and has an average of fifteen yards per reception at the college level. That's big play stuff, man. That that is big play stuff. And he may not be a volume monster the way that Justin Jefferson was coming out, but he could be a guy that, you know, you maybe don't use a lot in year one on your dynasty roster, or if you're in a dynasty best ball. He's the kind of guy that I, I feel like can win you a week. I would love. I would absolutely love to have him paired up here with Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. I don't know that that's the best combination of wide receiver talent. I'm sure there's someone out there going, no, so-and-so would be a better fit. You're probably right, but I'm just a fan of the dude. I'm just a fan of the game, and uh, I'm I'm a fan of these guys. Um, But before we wrap it up, I want to remind you of one thing. Um, We've been talking about this as we're going into free agency, right, a couple of weeks away. As you're listening to this on Monday, March 1st, if if you're listening on the podcast. We're 16 days away from free agency. And as you're investing in your dynasty rosters in in these guys, remember the NCAA is doing a great job. You can literally go back to the rookie class of 2018 with DJ Moore, with Cortland Sutton, with Calvin Ridley to 2019, you know, with DK and AJ Brown. And then last year with Justin Jefferson, and we can go on and on and on about how good these guys are you got to be real careful about dabbling in this what I would consider the secondary wide receiver market because it's not going to stop happening where's the money in the NFL right now quarterback position edge rusher cornerback wide receiver not a whole lot of guys in the NFL make 20 plus million dollars a year but, I, but a handful of them are wide receivers like Michael Thomas, like Julio Jones. So you're only going to continue to see the better and better and better athletes playing the wide receiver position. And it's going to continue to flush out the, the guys like Sterling Shepard. Um, I, I hate to pick on Sterling Shepard. He was the first guy that popped into my mind. It's going to continue to cycle out guys like, you know, a lot of people are excited about Corey Davis going into free agency. You know, you're not going to get that leash anymore with your dynasty roster. So if you have your guy – if your guy's Terrace Marshall Jr., get your guy if you think that's the spot, because the long-term success, it's not what it used to be in the NFL. Now we even see quarterbacks get one, two, sometimes three years. So when you get one of these cornerstone pieces in your dynasty league, especially as a young guy, why would you ever let him go? Why would you ever let him go for the magic beans that could be something, that could be something good when you've already got something. Really good. So I just wanted to make sure I threw that in there. Dallas, anything for these people before we, uh, we cut them loose and uh, go on about our quiet Sunday?
2: Yeah, I think this might be the first pod that we've had together where we disagreed on multiple things. It's kind of a you, good change of pace.
1: <laughs> you, you, know, you know, here's the thing. That's a good thing. You and I disagreeing with each other and talking to prospects only stands to benefit each other. And only stands to benefit the the listeners and the watchers on on YouTube, because I, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. I don't want to be speaking from a, like a position of high, but there's a lot of too much of the mutual admiration society. Hey, let me pat you on the back, and then you come on over here and you pat me on the back, and then we'll pat you on the back, and we'll both agree on everything. It's okay, you know. Somewhere between what is it the the show is uh, Sterling Shepherd or Shannon Sharp. And Skip Bayless, somewhere between that show and what we you know we did today, is probably about where we need to be. You know that's why we don't rehearse this beforehand. We got to be able to to give honest takes and you know help get everybody going where they're going. And uh, so, anything else, man? I I, I want to appreciate you for uh, you know battling through no guest. I think it was actually a pretty darn good show.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, one last take I had. When it comes to a guy that you guys need to look a little bit more into, guys and girls, sorry, I'll I'll be PC, Um, you need to look a little bit more into, specifically at the wide receiver position, that I think legitimately could have day day two upside is Marquez Stevenson out of Houston. He is a burner. He is another one. Of, uh, if you guys can't tell, I like speed because it's one of those things you can't teach in the NFL. Uh, you can't make a slow guy fast at the end of the day. And he's a guy to Houston, not really your big school, not really your small school, still technically power five, but he has two years of 900 yards and nine touchdowns in a row. He dealt with a little bit of an injury issue this last year, but he also has Five career return touchdowns. He's dynamic. He reminds me a lot of, as a prospect, coming out what we saw Hollywood Brown as. He's got the same speed. He's bigger. He's sitting at right around like six foot 190 pounds, and he realistically could run the same speed as Hollywood Brown. So just someone to keep your eyes on. Look at some of his tape. I strongly suggest it. He's very smooth. He catches everything. I think he charted a total of like three career drops through four years. So I, 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 you can quote me on it because I'm pretty sure it was three career drops in four years. But he's someone that you guys need to look at because I realistically see him as someone like John Brown, where he's going to stick on an offense and he's going to be that deep threat for someone this year.
1: Well, I feel really proud of myself because he is on my rankings. He is, he is a name that I have down on my personal rookie rankings and I want to thank everybody for their participation in the YouTube chat. We've had Coach Craig Sports. He he's been in there a couple of times. Uh he he did not like your 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 Terry on uh call, but he did love the Marquez call. So, thank you for chiming in in the comments and watching live with his coach. And, Coach uh, Craig's my uh, guy. Coach Craig, <laughs> Craig, Coach Craig is yeah. our guy. Uh, I, I really don't have a, a sneaky, sneaky guy for you yet. Um, before I give you, and I, I don't have my man crush yet. I don't have my man crush yet, but I, I am working on it. We'll be back here next week. Uh, I feel very confident in our guests, and if we get our guests, it's huge, huge. But until then, until next time, on behalf of my co-host, his name is Dallas, follow him on Twitter at Salad. That's Dallas backwards, Salad Galore. And you can follow me at DWZ Memphis. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great Monday.
3: It's Goods. That's uh, my company. That is what we've started. I hope you guys have checked it out if you want to go over to the hate.com, Hate for me means it's about self-improvement. It's this self-motivation through self-loathing, this, this bit of loathing of not tolerating your own bullshit, that little voice that says today's good enough or what we did's fine or no one's going to know that I'm taking today off. Like, fuck all that, man. I know. Like, I hold that standard. I'm accountable to me. And that's it. That's why I chase goals. I do it because of me. I don't do it because of what someone else is going to think of it or what someone else's approval is. And it's about holding yourself to that. The rest of that motivation can fade, but as long as you're in control of being able to make you do the shit you want to do, you're golden, man. So head over to the hate.com use code and save yourself some cash. You-